Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machen of Brownlee Wealth Management. The only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Welcome back to another episode of FPOG, Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals. This week on the podcast, we're talking about investing in politics. Wow. Talk about talk about a loaded gun. Talk about a potential minefield. Anytime you use the word politics today, everybody tenses up a little bit. But uh, this conversation, it's really just going to be about the data and evidence. What does it say about historical uh, performance and if political party impacts that at the presidential level, congressional level, uh, and kind of just take a view of of long-term investing. Uh, and spoiler alert, it doesn't make a big impact. So t- we're going to also talk about why that is. Justin, what would you add? Yes, I think the reason we want to do this episode is uh, I, I think this is going to be released in late August, early September. And so if you're listening to this, I want you to, to think about this fall, what's happening. We have midterms. And so it's going to be a crisp, beautiful fall afternoon on a Saturday. You're going to be watching your favorite college football team. Uh, They are going to be driving for a big score, and they are going to not convert a key third down. You're going to be a little bit upset about it. It's going to go to commercials, and you are going to get inundated with two minutes straight of political ad commercials. Most of those ads are going to be geared, whether it's whether it's you know either side, it's going to be geared to make you a little bit fearful and uh, and try to get you to act a certain way. It's critical that we talk about this now uh, because it's easy to think that if this politician or this party or this whatever the case is, if it gets elected, um, then your portfolio might suffer. And we want to provide a very uh, staunch amount of evidence and data uh, that helps you think past the noise. Um, And in many cases, just like Jared, just like you said, that's just not true. Um, And so if you are uh, able to, this is a great episode to watch on YouTube. We're going to have a lot of resources or just go to our uh, website page for this podcast. We'll have those resources posted, Uh, but a lot of great data. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who don't know, we have these videos on YouTube and this is going to be a great one to watch on YouTube because it's going to be loaded with uh, financial resources. But let's talk about like at the high level, the thesis, and then we'll give the supporting evidence. Right. And as we were pulling resources for this, I just want to pull this quote from uh, Dimensional Funds is so great. Shareholders are investing in companies, not a political party. And companies focus on serving their customers and helping their business grow, regardless of who is in the White House, right? I love that because that perfectly summarizes kind of like why, uh, who is in office, whether it's uh, in the White House or in Congress, doesn't really impact investing over the long term, right? And it's for that fundamental reason that uh, companies are responsible to shareholders and they're going to kind of continue to find a way to innovate. Justin, you and I were talking about before this, this is like... Like an, a good analogy for this, we love a good analogy, is it's like sports betting based on who is refereeing the game. It matters, right? Because it, it, it could impact the, the speed of the game, but eventually the better team wins, right? And it's such a small purview into impact and talent and skill, right? So it's this, it's this isolated variable that doesn't have a, this just a super incomplete picture, right? Of, of the whole deal. So kind of like setting it up to why that is, right? 
that's why. Because even if you pick somebody in office, that's the cause. The effect is these businesses will continue to innovate. They'll continue to adjust to the rules, the economic environment, all that, right? Because they have an incentive to do so. So I love that quote, but shareholders are investing in companies, not a political party. Uh, So it really is like sports betting, but you're betting based on who's refereeing the game. Uh, It's one factor, but there's just so many other factors. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think that the best way to parse this out is... uh, We'll, we'll take the higher level view of talking about the long term and maybe geopolitical, how geopolitical uh, longer term presidential time horizon takes into a factor. And then we'll also talk about the shorter term of like, okay, y- you've made the case for longer term investing making sense, but okay, what happens, what happens in election years, uh, both congressional and uh, presidential? Does, does that you know, is there a short-term trade opportunity or arbitrage to be had? So let's start, let's start with the uh, long term first. I love that. Uh, So when we think about long-term movements in the market, there's been so many different uh, geopolitical things that have happened both uh, in, in you could say, political events or actions that have taken place in the U.S. as well as abroad. And you could back up 50 years and and see things that if you turn on the news live while they're happening, you're going to think that, hey, the sky is falling. This is horrible. Um, And so this first resource that we're going to share Uh, Markets have rewarded discipline, the growth of a dollar in the world stock market, um, net dividends since 1970. Uh, This resource is really neat because you can you can zoom in and you can see, wow, the Arab oil embargo. um, What happened to oil prices in the mid 70s? Um, I am pretty incredible to think about 1980, 1979. Uh, that famous Business Week uh, magazine headline in, in, the, in the cover of the magazine said the death of equities. So stocks had had such a terrible 12 year run in, in, in a whole lot of difficult geopolitical events happened before that magazine cover. And they, they come on and boldly predict, hey, stocks are dead. And they do this in 1979. But I want to point that out as kind of a, a big marker because, Jared, I mean, look at this. After they predicted the death of equities, look how many horrible things happened in the global uh, global economies as well as global geopolitical events. It is amazing how many bad things happened after they predicted this. And it ended up, you know, obviously being just about the worst prediction of all time. And it's funny because like, if this doesn't impact, like if this doesn't get in the way of long-term investors, how could the, how could, you know, politics, right? Cause like, if you think about like who actually has more, like what would have a, a more of an outsized impact on gross domestic, domestic product on unemployment, like these seismic shocks of like Y2K tech bubble bursting, right? Things that no, like a lot less people have control over. They w- those things would be more likely to have an outsized impact. And like this chart that you're showing, like despite all those things, 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, like the long-term investor has done COVID, the long-term investor has done remarkably well. That's right. And there are a lot of different political events in here. Iran invades Kuwait. Uh, there was an entire currency crisis in Asia. Um, there's so many different things happening here. Um, and, and some of the political responses to these events were, were not viewed as, as good responses and, and still markets have persisted on in, in the face of all of this struggle. Yeah. 
And so I'm looking at this next chart. That's just a different, uh, it's, it's a different variation of the same chart. We'll be sure to put this up. And it shows you uh, the growth of a dollar invested in the S&P growing back from 1926 to 2011. Um, and it's got red for Republican president, blue for Democratic president, and it's up and to the right. And so, you know, just kind of another way to view that that same information. And there's a good amount of variance between the red and the blue, but over the long period of time, uh, you've been rewarded. And a couple of interesting data points. So annualized returns uh, for a sitting president. So the average return for U.S. presidential terms is 11.06%, right? So the average political term um, is positive, emphatically positive, right? 11.6%. And there's there's three or four times that are negative uh, that I want to call out. 1929 and 1932 with Hoover, uh, 1937 and 1940 with Hoover, 2001 to 2004 with Bush, and 2005 to 2008 with Bush. But Justin, was there anything going on in the world that may have impacted the returns that didn't have something to do with who was in office during those times? Boy, you you love to go back to that quote. It is like betting on a sporting event based on who is the referee. Uh, if I recall correctly, there were some things happening in the U.S. and the world during both of those times. What what were some of those things, Justin? I mean, let's take uh, the second Bush. Uh, so so President George Bush. Um, his term, he he happened to get uh, elected and sworn into office right as the dot-com bubble crash is, is occurring. Um, so stocks have an incredible run-up in the 1990s, maybe the greatest decade ever for U.S. stocks. And um, uh, Bush, Bush takes office and the dot-com bubble bursts. Now, there's a nice little comeback, right? U.S. stocks have a, have a pretty nice little run from 2003 to 2007. And then we have uh, the worst financial crisis um, since, since World War II. Uh, and, and so his, his presidency happens to occur uh, with, with two bookends that were historically really the worst market crashes in 50 years. Yeah. And the worst time before that was a lot of the Great Depression, right? Which was the other two times that had where there was a negative annualized return during a president. Um, it was 1929 and 1932 and uh, 1937 and 1940. So Right. And, and I think, I think most people can say like intellectually, honestly say those outsized macro events, it wouldn't have mattered much who was in office. Right. So, um, so, so looking at this, uh, and, and even that right four out of, I don't know how many of the last terms of a minority, um, were negative, but the vast majority were positive and positive, even in excess of 11% to make the average return of a president, uh, during a president's, uh, term, 11%. Well, and we can dive into the weeds a little bit more as well. So if you really wanted to get cynical about, about that difficult time in the market, you could say, well, gosh, Bush oversaw the worst time in the stock market that we've, that we've seen. And then you could say, well, is his party, if his party's in power, is the stock market going to tumble? And then you see that, well, Reagan, the first Bush, uh, then you go to Trump after George, George W. Bush. And you see, that's just that's just not the case. There's not a there's not a historical precedent for that happening at all. And you could do the same on the other party. There's clearly some very difficult times, uh, Jared. If we go towards the beginning of this, when FDR was president, and uh, was there anything big going on during that time? 
Um, but again, you, you cannot take a conclusion from that window because every other president of his party since then, well, the market's been great. Yeah. So, yeah. So it looks like, you know, so it's, it's about a hundred years of presidential data we have four out of those 25 are negative and the other outsides are positive. And so you have a positive 11% return, right? So if you're investing in your time horizons, four years on average, uh, you will make money in equities, right? And that's, and when we say long-term investors, we mean decades, right? Four percent, four years is still a short period of time. So even in that four-year period, on average, uh, you have a positive investment return. So, great reminder there. Uh, what about what about Congress? Great point, because obviously, if someone's elected president, they may not have their party may or may not have control of the House, the Senate, or both of them. Um, and so we, again, this next chart, if you're with us on YouTube, or if you check out our, our website for this podcast page, we'll have the resources there. All right, Justin. So this chart we're looking at here, uh, hypothetical growth of a dollar invested in the S&P and who essentially has control, uh, which party is in power in Congress. And so you can see over long-term, great. And there's a lot of Maybe less variance than the political party, but there is still variance, and it switches between uh, Republican, Democrat, and also mixed because um, those Congress can be divided. And so, I mean, it's interesting because some of the worst times uh, were mixed. Uh, so, if you think one political party is to blame for the turmoil, uh, a lot of the times when there was negative investment returns over a short period of time there was there was a mixed party in congress but over here same same conclusion and really investing in pretty any average four-year period you're going to have a positive investment return regardless of who has control of congress anything you'd add there jared i kind of think this this further proves our point in an emphatic way that you cannot make long-term investment decisions based on who wins elections uh so the specific thing i want to zoom in on is 2006. Uh, we just mentioned that the most recent President Bush had a very difficult presidency within the stock market. Uh, and this kind of helps because in 2006, that is the congressional election. Those are the midterms uh, before the greatest financial crisis that, that most people who are alive today have lived through. And guess what? Democrats, Democrats had control of the House and the Senate. And so we have this further evidence that, well, Republicans had the White House, Democrats had Congress, and it was a really bad time. But again, if you want to draw a specific conclusion from any of this, if you want to look at that and say, well, we better not invest if, if Democrats have control of Congress, there's just an unbelievable amount of data that says that that would be a bad idea. Again, it's trying to predict who's going to win a game based on who is the referee. It's one tiny factor and companies are going to find a way to win regardless. Yeah, that's right. But we, but so maybe our listeners are kind of at the point where they say, okay, I get it. Long-term doesn't make a difference for reasons we've talked about. But what about short-term? Is there a short-term trade uh, or opportunity that could be advantaged of, right? Because there's, I would say, seemingly more instability. Uh, and just, Or not instability, but that's too strong of a word, uncertainty in transition years. So going back to 1928, we have S&P returns. I'm going to throw this chart up. Um, So the average return during a U.S. election year is 11.57%. 
And the average return in the year subsequent to an election, so the year following an election, is 10.67%. So a couple interesting things to me that sticks out is one, both of those returns are positive, right? So on average, over a really long period of time, you're making money in an election year and the year following an election year. But interestingly, I I would think it was the other way. Um, The return during a U.S. election year is actually slightly higher than subsequent to an election year. And I, I don't know, I don't know why that is. Um, but you know, that doesn't really change how you tactically position your portfolio. Cause both of those, re- you know, both of those years have positive returns, but kind of an interesting little anecdote there. I think that's a great point. And I think we can also look at a, a pretty interesting recent election in 2016. Uh, a lot of uh, polls and predictions were proved wrong when, uh, Trump did win the 2016 election. And Jared, what happened immediately after that? What happened in the futures markets the night that the election was announced? It crashed, right? Because that that was the outlier outcome, right? The uh, Wall Street is a forward-looking machine. And when they got the future wrong, they panicked. But then what happened, Justin? Amazingly, over the next, say, two weeks, the market just exploded upward. So we have, we have, I mean, let's say 7, 8 p.m. Central Time is when it became pretty obvious that Trump was going to win the election. A few hours later, futures crash. But then the complete opposite thing happens in the next 10 business days, the next 10 trading days. Um, and so it's just an emphatic lesson again that this is one, this is one uh, piece of the puzzle. But there are so many moving factors Uh, If you are trying to build significant wealth, if you're trying to build serious wealth for you and your family, I would not place bets on what's happening in short or long-term political events. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, honestly, like like if I think about in my history, when I've fielded questions from clients, a lot of it is at the onset of transition or a potential change of power, right? But the data says like on average that year, really, you know, slightly above average for S&P for performance. So it's definitely a year you want to remain invested regardless of which side of the political aisle uh, you are on. And I feel the question from both sides of that aisle. So, um, but Justin, we can go even more granular than that, right? Like what about the month? Um, and I love how DFA does this. Like all of these resources are DFA. So we got to give massive credit to uh, dimensional fund advisors who we've talked about regularly on the podcast. But um, it looks at monthly returns of the election month. And it says the monthly market return, and it shows the distribution of all the months uh, going back from 1926. And the monthly return, uh, it doesn't really follow a discernible pattern, whether a Republican wins or a Democrat wins. Um, and it falls in the normal distribution of outcomes. Uh, and there's too, there's far too much going on in this chart for me to try to explain it, but just another reiteration. So... You want to remain invested over the long term. Uh, typically, entry it, like years that a new president's elected in the year following are positive. But even in the month, uh, there's not a meaningful uh, dispersion that's different, that's statistically different from the normal normal range of outcomes for uh, stock returns. So uh, it's not a not a thing you can time in the month, in the day, in the year, uh, or even in the term. Right? It's like looking at the data. It's really makes sense over all of those time periods to be a long-term investor. 
That's right. And I will give one uh, caveat or I, I, if, if you are someone who adamantly thinks that, that politics are going to control the markets, I will give you one small nugget. The one thing that, that could potentially have a role is when tax policy affects corporate tax rates. Um, if you think about the stock market, we like to say that you're not investing in, in a casino. The stock market is an opportunity to buy the greatest companies in the world and partake in their future revenues. Um, so certainly, if you have a corporate tax rate, that is going to play a role in future expected earnings. But even then, I would be very careful. There was a big run-up, a 10% run-up in, uh, Jared was at December of 2017 when the uh, new tax policy was enacted that did lower corporate tax rates a little bit. Uh, but even then, that is not something that you would just dynamically move your entire portfolio for. Not even close. Yeah, but, and here's the thing, right? Like time, time in the market's more important than timing the market. Like, even if that was a meaningful variable, like how do you position a portfolio in light of that? Because you don't know when the con when the legislation is going to get presented. You don't know when it's going to actually pass and when it's going to be enacted and all of the compromises and various things that are right. So like, even if you could statistically prove that that was meaningfully connected, it's not an actionable investment strategy unless you want to become essentially a political news correspondent, which, you know. Part of the reason why you invest is so that your money can work for you. So you're freed up to do the things you enjoy, right? So even if you make the concession you're talking about, Justin, like even if that's hypothetically true, what are you supposed to do with that? That's not, you know, really counterproductive. That's an excellent point. So many factors go into it. And then you have to determine what is the response going to be from those factors. And then you have to determine, so maybe you know what the response will be. You need to know exactly when that response is going to happen. And then you need to know when the response from that uh, occurrence taking place is going to stop being a factor. Um, it's a ridiculous game and it mostly is noise to the long-term wealth accumulator. Yep. And then the other thing you would need to know is how much of that was baked in versus how oh, much of that was a surprise, right? So really- That is a great it, point. It's- it's just a convoluted circle. But to, to take it all the way back, right? We're long-term investors. It's a really practical investment strategy because it you know frees you up to not get sucked into things like this and make irrational decisions. Um, but we believe in long-term investing. Evidence supports regardless of what political party because those aren't the people day in and day out working to add value uh, in the marketplace, right? There is a place for legislation and laws, but where you know we own companies that are earning and producing and have an economic incentive to do that. And we believe they're economically incentivized to do that regardless of which political party is in power. That's right. And as registered investment advisors, we, we have an obligation to, to serve the clients who, who entrust their wealth to us. And that means not getting in the weeds of, of anything political because it can be, it can be devastating to your long-term wealth if you make short-term bets and you're not right. And two, right? Like following the data and evidence, right? Taking our emotion out of it. What does the data and evidence say? Like if, like if we looked at the data and evidence and it said something completely different than if it said political party did matter, we would need to consider that and how we allocate portfolios, right? So, you know, we're just continue to be globally diversified, follow the data and evidence as, as it continues to grow and evolve and, and try to remain level-headed long-term investors. Um, if you have any questions or I, 
on this or really any ideas for future episodes, uh, don't forget to email us podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. We love hearing from you feedback on the podcast, the format, uh, future potential guests. Uh, All of it is welcome and encouraged. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at brownleewealthmanagement.com or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.